0: Hey there, it's Shannon Ballard. Southern Mysteries is officially on hiatus. I'm taking a much-needed break from researching murders and mysteries. I'll be back with new episodes in time to celebrate the fifth anniversary of the show this fall. If you are a patron of Southern Mysteries, you will still hear the Patreon-exclusive episodes, the lesser-knowns, each month. If you don't already support the show, you can check out patreon.com slash southernmysteries to catch up on the show archive and hear patron-exclusive episodes like the one I'm sharing today. So before we say goodbye for the summer, this is the story of a cold-blooded killer who became the last woman to die by electrocution in Alabama, Rhonda Bell Martin. 50-year-old Rhonda Bell Martin wore a new dress and two wedding rings as she held tight to her Bible and took the long walk to the electric chair at Kilby Prison in Montgomery, Alabama, in October 1957. Rhonda had made the new black and white dress for her final court hearing in the hope her death sentence would be commuted to life. In an interview just days after that final hearing, She was asked if she was prepared to die. Rhonda replied, Well, you've never got anybody who's ready to sit down in the electric chair. But if that's what it's got to be, that's what it will be. And that's what it had to be. On October 11th, just after midnight, Rhonda Bell Martin was taken to the electric chair and asked if she had any final words. She shook her head no. No. At 1210 a.m., 2,200 volts of electricity surged through her body, and the woman who had confessed to killing her mother, two husbands, and three children was pronounced dead. When Rhonda Bell Martin was arrested for murder in 1956, Montgomery newspapers referred to her as a plump, 49-year-old, auburn-haired, and bespectacled waitress, who was being charged for the murder of her fourth husband, Claude Martin. Born in 1907, Rhonda Martin was 12 years old when her father deserted the family. Psychologists would later say they believed Rhonda married so many times and turned to killing because of her insecurities about not being wanted and her determination to abandon the people she feared would never love her before she was abandoned by them. In all, Rhonda Bell Martin would marry five men. In 1922, 15-year-old Rhonda married W.R. Alderman, but the marriage only lasted four years. Two years later, in 1928, Rhonda married the man she would be with for 12 years, George Garrett. Together, they would have five children. In 1939, George became ill and died, with his initial cause of death being a presumptive case of pneumonia. By the time George passed away, people felt so much sorrow and heartache for Rhonda. She had lost her husband after losing two children. Their four-year-old daughter, Mary Adelaide, had died in 1934 following an unknown illness, and the family faced the grief of losing another daughter, their three-year-old, Imogene, following an illness in 1937. The law seemed unbearable when months after George passed, Rhonda's infant daughter, Judith, passed away from an unknown illness. Rhonda's friends did seem surprised that she married again so quickly. Months after George passed away, Rhonda married Talmadge Gibson, but the marriage would only last five months. Folks thought Rhonda may have moved forward too quickly out of grief. But grief and loss just seemed to follow Rhonda. In 1940, her six-year-old daughter, Anna, died. And her 11-year-old daughter, Ellen, who had been unable to walk for over a year due to an illness and a stomach ailment, also passed away. In 1944, Rhonda faced another loss when her mother Mary Frances Gibson, died. By 1950, Rhonda was ready for marriage again, and she met Claude Martin, a widower with three daughters and a son. But in early 1951, Rhonda was again accepting condolences when Claude got very sick and never recovered. On April 27, 1951, Claude Martin died. Claude's death was ruled as death by natural causes. Rhonda would find an overwhelming amount of support from friends and family who reached out to comfort her. Following Claude's death, Rhonda received a $2,000 life insurance payment and used $400 of the money to move the body of Claude's first wife to rest in peace next to him in the cemetery where a growing number of family members were buried. Montgomery Memorial. Rhonda's next decision was a surprise and unnatural. In December of the year Claude died, 44 year old Rhonda married 25 year old Ronald Martin. Notice the last name? That's Claude's son. Rhonda Martin married her stepson. Ronald was in the Navy at the time he became Rhonda's fifth husband. By June 1955, just months after he was discharged and happily back home with Rhonda, Ronald was admitted to a veterans hospital in Biloxi, Mississippi. He had been suffering intense stomach pain and some numbing of his extremities. Tests revealed what doctors suspected. Ronald had arsenic in his system. Arsenic poisoning in small doses over a long period of time can make a person feel that they're suffering a sort of flu that will just never end. The victim's system weakens over time, and eventually they starve to death for lack of nutrition. In large doses, an arsenic victim will experience intense stomach pain and will often vomit blood and eventually become numb and paralyzed. It's an extremely painful and cruel way for a person to die. Pathologists say when autopsies are performed on arsenic victims, they'll see blackened organs with chemical burns. Arsenic does not degrade easily, which means that if you know what you're testing for, you can find traces even if a person has been cremated. Miraculously, Ronald Martin survived his poisoning but he suffered permanent damage. He became a paraplegic. When doctors confirmed Ronald had been poisoned, they quietly called in police. Authorities did not initially question Ronald or Rhonda. They simply began looking into the case and the couple's background. And when they looked closer, they realized six people connected to Rhonda had died under unexplained or unusual circumstances. Her three daughters, one of which had been mysteriously paralyzed and unable to move before her death, along with Rhonda's second and fourth husbands, who suffered painful stomach complications and illness before death, and Rhonda's mother, who had died in 1944. The investigation of Rhonda Bell Martin would continue until March of 1956, when she was arrested Rhonda was charged with administering poison to her husband, and when police interrogated her, she refused to talk for three days. But on that third day, it was as if she was free, and the truth started pouring out. Rhonda Martin admitted she had indeed poisoned her fourth husband, Claude Martin, by adding rat poison in his morning coffee for weeks. Before he died, the more police questioned Rhonda, the more she talked, confessing to poisoning Ronald, even as she professed her love for him. Rhonda then confessed to poisoning her second husband, the father of her five children, George Garrett. She said she added rat poison to his whiskey, little by little, over the course of a few weeks. Rhonda Bell Martin would detail her crimes in an 11 page written confession including the murder of her own mother, confessing that she added rat poison to her mother's coffee, and the murder of three of her children, adding rat poison to the milk her three daughters, Imogene, Anna, and Ellen, drank in the weeks and months before they died. She denied she killed two other daughters who died following unexplained illnesses. Authorities exhumed the bodies of Rhonda's family members in Montgomery Memorial Cemetery. Tests would reveal chunks of arsenic in all of their bodies. The biggest question police had for Rhonda, she didn't answer. Why kill these family members? Rhonda referred to her children and dead husbands in a loving way. She swore she adored them and they adored her and there was nothing but love between them. There were allegations that insurance money had been Rhonda's motivation, but she never got much when a family member died. The biggest payout came from Claude's death. Otherwise, the insurance policies that were paid out for these other family members barely paid the funeral expenses. Through interviews and articles published about her in the weeks after her arrest, it did become clear that Rhonda Martin was self-obsessed. A Life magazine feature on Rhonda, just weeks after she was arrested in 1956, noted that she also loved the get well cards that would come after each victim became sick and died. She seemed obsessed with the sympathy cards and visits from friends who came to console her. Apart from that, there's never been a clear motive for her crimes And her mental state played a key role in her trial. Rhonda Bell Martin was charged with first-degree murder of Claude Martin. Along with the murder charge, authorities wanted to pursue an incest charge against her for marrying her stepson. But Rhonda would never face that charge, because in the course of the investigation, authorities learned that when Rhonda married Claude in 1950, she was not divorced from her third husband, Talmadge Gibson. Her fourth marriage was bigamous and not legal, which meant her fifth husband was legally not her stepson. Rhonda's trial for the murder of Claude Martin began just three months after she had been arrested. In June 1956, she went to trial with her court-appointed attorney, Mr. Cameron, arguing that she was not guilty by reason of insanity. The defense team argued Rhonda was schizophrenic. Cameron acknowledged that his client was a killer. He told the jury that she, quote, had killed and confessed to killing her own children, children she loved and took to Sunday school, just like any other mother. She must have been mentally unbalanced to carry out such crimes against her own children. Now, a psychiatrist testified that he had examined Rhonda Martin and diagnosed her as schizophrenic. But prosecutor William Thetford called a state psychiatrist who testified he couldn't find evidence of mental illness. Thetford argued that mental illness was not the reason Rhonda had killed two husbands, her mother, and three of her children, and tried to kill a third husband. Thetford argued that Rhonda's motive for killing Claude Martin was one of the oldest of all time. It's about money. Even though police had found little evidence of that being the case and ended their interrogation, still wondering what her real motive had been, the prosecutor maintained that Rhonda killed Claude for that insurance policy payout. Once her fate was in the hands of the jury, it took less than three hours for the jury to return with a guilty verdict. Rhonda Bell Martin was sentenced to death by electrocution. Rhonda's appeal failed in March of 1957, and she was sentenced to die on October 11th of that year. Rhonda Bell Martin put on that black and white dress that she had made for her failed clemency hearing. She clutched her Bible in her hands and was led to the electric chair and executed for her crimes. When prison officials were going through her effects, they found a note inside that Bible. The note read, At my death, I want my body to be given to some scientific institution to be used as they see fit, but especially to see if someone can find out why I committed the crimes I have committed. I can't understand it, for I had no reason whatsoever. There's definitely something wrong. Can't someone find it and save someone else the agony I have been through? Rhonda's self-centered nature was evident in that note. She made no mention of her victims, just wrote that she hoped science could learn about her to save someone from a fate like hers and the agony she experienced. Now, to donate her body to science, Rhonda's family needed to sign off on the request, which they did not do. They claimed her body and buried her in her plot in Montgomery, Alabama. It seemed only right that Rhonda not get what she wanted in the end. Now, if you were to look for Rhonda Bell Martin's final resting place, it would be hard to find. There's no marker acknowledging her existence. In the days before Rhonda Martin's execution, the Montgomery Advertiser featured an interview with Rhonda's third husband, Talmadge Gibson. He was asked his thoughts as to why he had never been poisoned by Rhonda. He replied that they were only married for about five months, and he figured he just left her in the nick of time before she had the chance to drop any poison in his whiskey.